Hello and welcome to Wrestling University. I'm Joe Hendry and as always, we're going to be talking to one of the most legendary trainers, perhaps the most legendary trainer in pro wrestling, Dr. Tom Pritchard. He's trained The Rock, Kurt Angle, Bray Wyatt, so many huge stars in the professional wrestling business. This is an unbelievable opportunity for trainees or just anyone that wants to know more about pro wrestling. Um, before we get into this, though, I want to give a huge shout out to the following people. Ring of Honor Wrestling, I want to say a huge thank you to them as always for supporting me in this journey. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty going on with COVID right now, like I can't get into the States. So, you know, it's natural for me to be a little bit anxious about what's going on, but Ring of Honor have been unbelievable. They have, they've decided to keep me on and they're supporting me. They're encouraging me to make, co uh, they're encouraging me to make content. And it's just, you know, I, I couldn't be more grateful for the situation that I'm in right now, given the circumstances. So the least I can do is ask you to go and check out Ring of Honor Wrestling. I just feel more people should know that as a company, they go above and beyond for the roster. I think people need to know that. Uh, but the product they're putting right out right now is unbelievable. It's a sports-based product. So if you like serious professional wrestling that is presented as a sport um, and treated as such for the hour, you know, I like that when I'm watching pro wrestling, I like to get lost in it and this allows you to do that. If you're into that sort of thing, this is the product for you. So go check out Ring of Honor Wrestling and huge thanks to them. I'm very jealous of my colleagues right now doing all the Pure Rules matches. That's right up my alley and I want to get over there as soon as I can. But until then, I'm going to make these awesome podcasts for you with the legendary Dr. Tom. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wrestling University with Dr. Tom. I'm Joe Hendry and joined as always by none other than Dr. Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you? Doing great, Joe. Again, always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. I've got an interesting question for you because I remember throughout my training, I was always told, build up your opponent, put up your opponent over, put them over. But when I watch TV and I watch the big superstars, I noticed that people who are burying everybody left, right, and center tend to get over. So what do you do? Because there's some, I watched The Rock was my favorite wrestler, for example. And if he'd have followed that methodology, he wouldn't have got over as much, in my opinion. What What is the line? Like, when, when should you bury someone? Should you go for it, and then the other person just needs to sink or swim? Or does there need to be a bit of collaboration? Because I've had situations where I've really collaborated with the other person, and then I've had other situations where someone's coming for my head verbally, and I have to be prepared, and they're catching me off guard, and I might be annoyed at them at, during that feud, but looking back on it, I feel they tend to be the better feuds. What's your opinion on it? Well, when you say burying someone, uh, in in what manner? Because it, I I think anytime you go out there, if you're a good pro, if you're if you're a proficient professional, you want to go out there and you want to work for the match. It doesn't do you any good, in my opinion, to bury your opponent. Uh, an example would be the Hulk Hogan Shawn Michaels angle. If you remember yeah. Hulk and and, and Shawn, where Shawn's overselling and and uh, just being a complete ass. And uh, Sean even admitted, he goes, yeah, I was I was doing it to be an asshole. And, uh, well, in the end, and later on, he thought about it and said, nah, it wasn't, wasn't the right thing to do. But at the time, he was being immature. The next night, he cut a promo. And, and instead of having a three-match series, they had one. Because Hogan said, no, I'm not working with this asshole. So it, it can be to your detriment to do something like that, unless, of course, you have 
the equity and you, you have the backing of of the office and uh, the decision maker. So you have to decide. And if you're going to take a gamble and, and die on that hill, you better be sure. But for the most part, it makes no sense, especially um, to go out and just bury the guy. And, and I guess I suppose you mean you're meaning uh, either mess up his moves, forget his moves, no, make it look bad. I was meaning them. Um, so, for example, in promos. So, if someone like oh that, if yeah. someone says something that's you know a little over the line personally and things like that, it's like I'm just saying I've always found that whilst for me personally, whilst they've been whilst it's been very uncomfortable at the time, I feel like it's brought the most captivating stuff out of me when someone is coming for my head verbally. Of course, of course. Well, that's because it's more authentic. Have you ever read Terry Funk's book? I have not. I would recommend getting Terry Funk's book to every pro because he talks about promos in there. He talks about getting right to the line. Like, uh, I think he, I, I, he called it something edge lining or something. He and Mick Foley used to do it a lot. And Terry Funk and Harley Race um, and guys like that, L. Hunter and, Hunter and Rock would do it. They would go off script. Hunter would go off script. And, and it would be trying to bury the rock. And then it would just – Start the creative juices in his head. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about something else. But on a promo, yes, you want to build your opponent up. At the same time, you get right to the edge of the truth, and and people then they feel the sizzle, they feel the heat. Nowadays, I just I feel like wrestlers are maybe more sensitive. You know, I just can't see a wrestler being yes. willing to allow something to bring that up. Back in the day, were wrestlers more willing to? slip on the banana peel so to speak yes lawler and those guys in memphis got close to the line they would shoot with each other but they would work that's what we say when we say think shoot but work you go to the other guy and say hey are you okay with me saying this because the people will then say oh my god i can't believe this has got to be real Nowadays, everybody is so sensitive and yeah. butthurt because you can't and they don't understand and nobody gets it because it's everybody thinks all oh, wrestling's all playing, playing wrestling or fun and games and ha ha ha. Well, that's what's ruined a lot of professional wrestling because, you know, everybody wants to be a wrestler and I want to play wrestler, but you don't want to take the heat that comes with it. I mean, uh, and it, uh, you know, saying stuff like that about Lawler is pretty heavy and it, it is heavy, but that's the way business was done back then. Terry Funk, Harley race. Uh, there, there were, there were quite a few guys and Lawler and Dundee in Memphis, uh, Bill Dundee, Jerry Lawler had a great, angle for years and years they just meshed they just clicked and they would say things about each other on tv and on promos and it might get under dundee's skin and it might get under lawler's skin for real you know you felt it yeah and when you feel it you see it and you you mean it and by god then you get in the ring and then you work you work solid you work uh, Stiff and solid are two different things. Yeah. Stiff, you hit in, in in unsafe places. Solid, you're going to hit safe places, but and you'll uh, feel it. Yeah. But you're, yeah, you're not trying to kill each other, but you're looking like you're trying to kill each yeah. other, and that's what creates the magic. That's what creates a formula in 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 having a great match. You 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 can if you go out and you just talk about wrestling, and 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 that's great. But the personal issues, and when you have guys like a like a Terry Funk. 
who is crazy like a fox, he was working the whole time he would get to the arena. He would see a young guy and mess with him backstage. And nobody knew about Terry Funk if he was insane or not. Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler, they worked the boys backstage because that's what they did. It just created that aura. It created that magic. That's what's missing today. Do you it's think, been missing. Sorry, I was just going to ask, do you think that Lawler and Kaufman were completely on the same page working together? Yes. Or, so, no. everything, so they were working everybody else. They were 100% yes. in cooperation. There was 100. no kind of going off script or anything. 100% and even when they did go off script they were cool with it because that was the understanding Andy that was the way he worked Lawler loved that style they did it to a T I've talked to Lawler about this I mm -hmm. know I asked him the whole I asked him I said we, we rode took a trip uh, Del Rey Lawler and myself when we were in WWE and I don't remember don't remember how we hooked up but I asked him about it, and I had said, man, please tell me how the angle came up. Tell me about the Letterman deal. He says, oh, come on. I don't want to talk about it. Says, no, <laughs> you got to talk about it. I want to hear it. I'm marking out for this. So then he got into it, and he's talking about it. Because when Lawler did that angle with Kaufman on, on, on uh, Letterman, he got calls from promoters all over the states. Paul Bosch, the man that broke me in called and thanked him for slapping Lawler, thanked him for standing up for wrestling. I mean, they bought into it. And it was it was one of those things that Andy just happened to say off the cuff. You know, he was supposed to come on the show, and, and he and Lawler having a, a, a two segments and, and talk, and then the next segment, Andy was going to stand up, and they are going to shake hands, and and then Andy was going to sing, you know, it's a beautiful world or something like that. And, and, and everything was going to be done. And then uh, Lawler told Andy that, well, if we do that, we're kind of done in Memphis. And Andy says, yeah, well, I wonder what would happen if you just slugged me. And Jerry told him, says, ah, I don't know about that, Andy. I mean, it's, it's national TV. They might not even show it. And Andy said, yeah, maybe you're right. So they kayfabe. They didn't see each other backstage at, at Letterman. Or they kept everybody at bay and, and all that. And it wasn't, nobody agreed to it. Uh, Andy just mentioned it on the phone that day. And uh, he, Lawler said he stood up at the, at the break, or it's the second break, whatever it was, because he knew that was the, the last chance. And as the music was playing, he stood up, and that's when he slapped him. He, he gave Andy the eye, you know, like, here it comes. And Andy kind of made eye contact and hauled off and hit him. And, and they kayfabe Letterman, everybody. I remember the next night when Dave came on, uh, did his monologue. He was so pissed because nobody smartened him up to, to what they were going to do. And he says, you know, I want to apologize to everybody about last night because I think we, we were more on the set of like a Saturday morning wrestling show. And I thought it was a bunch of crap. And the people popped. So, you know. Doing stuff like that where, where you you say things, um, again, I don't remember what Terry called it, but, but that's been done for years. Um, and, and it was done sometimes with the understanding that the other guy was, was cool with it, and sometimes the guy went off script. And, you know, Shawn Michaels uh, with, hey, I hear Bret Hart's having sunny days. Whoa, whoa. I mean, you, you've got to understand that, that 
in those days at that time, um, the tension, the heat was real. I mean, not just with Sean and Brett, but uh, I was right in the middle of that with Sonny and Chris Candido and and that whole episode, uh, the 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 dynamic personalities that you had with Sean and Brett going back and forth. Uh, you know, with, with Brett making remarks about Sean being a boy toy and wearing the leather and make, making implications that he he might not be the man he says he is and things like that. You know, it, it they took it to heart and then they got in the ring and they had this incredible match with with the the, the dynamic and, and the tension and the and the electricity. It was it was insane. They were both trying to show each other. Uh, that they were, they were the best. They they were better, and they. I'm going to make you look great. I'm going to make you look great. I'm going to bump like this for you. I'm going to bump like that for you. And it, it was it was it was that way because they did go out there and got right to the line. Sometimes they crossed it, but but that's what made that dynamic. Like you said, those are some of the angles, some of the feuds you got into the most because it was real. It was authentic, and that's what's missing. Yeah, I'm actually rewatching uh, that period just now. I was I kind of came to professional wrestling a little late, uh, later than most. I only became hooked by wrestling when I was about fourteen or fifteen, so I actually missed that whole period of time. But I'm going back and I'm watching every. Uh, I'm trying to watch every episode of all the main wrestling shows from year to year, and I'm on like ninety six, ninety seven, and I'm actually just gone past that promo that you're talking about and when sean says uh he says something to that effect to brett and you can just see the 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 eye contact between them it is real but it's it's impressive how they're able to channel that into creating the best product they can but but that's see that's what this was not is anymore but that's what this was they would have matches uh (laughs) Back in the 1960s, a guy named Dory Funk Sr. and Mike DiBiase, Ted DiBiase's stepdad, uh, they would have these these Texas death matches, and they had a, a, a famous one in Amarillo where they fought outside the arena. The people are following them, and they fight back to the back where DiBiase's car is right there, and people know it's DiBiase's car because they've seen him drive up and whatever, uh, but they smash the windshield, smash the car, and, and Mike's going, hey, that's my car, and Dory's like, to hell with you, you son of a bitch, and, and, and they go back, and Mike's saying, what the f- was that, and Dory says, don't worry about it, I'm going to get you a new one, you know, it, you, you, would, you would take that rivalry, to a next level where people would believe it and the only two who had to know what they were doing was you and the guy you were working with. Sylvester Stallone and Arnold uh, uh, Schwarzenegger had the biggest rivalry through the years. And I just read an interview, heard an interview with Stallone where we talked about he was the guy driving me. You know, and when my son died, Arnold was the first guy to call and see how I was doing. Um, and I remember them bad-mouthing each other in the press, talking, taking jabs at each other, do the movies, and, hey, Stallone would show up on the set, and Arnold said, what, are the gyms closed? Or or where'd you uh, – did you lose weight? He goes, yeah, I see you found it. You know, and just <laughs> back and forth, you know, and, and there was an intense, heated rivalry. But then he said when it came down to it, 
He was the guy pushing me to be better. He was the guy that was driving me. Same thing with Sean and Brett. Looking back on it, I'm sure both of them will say, yeah, I didn't like the guy at the time. But without that guy being there, pushing me and right along the tracks with me, I mean, God, got in fights backstage. Brett ripped his hair out, ripped Sean's hair out. I mean, it was intense. It was real. And when you had to go out on camera, and you had to present yourself as the heartbreak kid and, and the hitman Bret Hart, the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. That helped fuel whatever was inside your head, inside your heart, and it was real. It was intense. It was, it was legit. And for all the people who didn't believe it, you knew when these guys got to the ring, the ring there was something there and then you had the other dynamic of Sonny and let me tell you <laughs> I I wish her the best but my goodness she was not a nice lady at times she she was she was the most downloaded personality in, in AOL at the time when the internet was was new and hot and all that stuff and she knew it and she was young and pretty and cute and all that stuff and see what and, watching all this stuff now is interesting because I'd never really seen much of Sunny, to be honest, because that was kind of the era before I started getting into wrestling. But watching her uh, at this period of time, I'm watching, she's doing um, commentary uh, during some of the Rock's matches and stuff like that. On you know, every couple of weeks or whatever, and she's actually very charismatic and confident. I didn't actually know that, but I actually think that she she does have an intangible charisma that kind of went along with the looks as well like it's kind of like i look at that and i'm like right i kind of get why she was such a big personality you know she 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 was exactly like that backstage she knew it she flaunted it she didn't care who liked it uh she we we were doing an autograph signing one time and a a fan came up and he looked at her says huh you look better than on tv so well you look like shit right now (laughs) oh my god that's fair that's that you know yeah. that's she, know, she had a right to defend herself there she, no 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 she did she she had <laughs> probably right not like that <laughs> yeah. right right but but she but she didn't care i mean some people might might say oh okay well thank you move on but she didn't she she would and she did that with everybody she was just like that she was very very self-centered and very confident no doubt and and that's what you have to have to be the star she she did she had that star quality uh, but, 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 you know, to, to your original question, uh, you have to know how to, how to do that. You have to know how to bury the guy, uh, without burying the guy. I mean, if you're going to bury the guy, hopefully the guy will have enough to come back with, you know, Hunter tried to bury the rock many times and rock finally got a, got sick and tired of him and said to hell with it, man, you want a live mic? Let's go. And he could handle himself. And that that's that's and, a lost and that's art. What I'm wondering, does that is it worth doing that because you're going to bring out the best in each other? But then, is there a guilt if you end up just buddying somebody and hurting yeah. their career? It's it's tough. Now, I don't think it's a guilt thing at all. Not for a guy like that. Not for a top guy. Not for somebody who's taking the balls to go out there with a the mic and do it. If he if he has the balls to do it on a mic and and you know see if you can sink or swim. I don't think. He's, I don't think Hunter had any guilt whatsoever. I know Sean didn't, but uh, no, I don't think any of those guys had guilt. But then again, if it led to better TV, is it a problem? No, no. That's that. That's yeah. exactly what Rock. When Rock, Rock would stick to the script in the beginning, and Hunter would go off, and Rock would 
try and do the right thing. Well, when Hunter would come back, yes, he would get bitched at, but at the same time, there's nothing they could do about it because it was live TV. So when Hunter got the zingers on Rock, Rock was pissed and said, hey, what's going on with this guy? I'm staying the script. He's going off. And, and somebody looked at him and said, look, he's getting his ass chewed out right now. But there's nothing he can do about it because he's already said it and it's done. So if you have something better than what's written down, go ahead and do it. What are they going to do about you? Yell at you when you come back? But – if it's going to make better TV, do it. And that's the unwritten rule. If you got something better, but if it bombs, well, then you yeah. got a problem. So, so you have to, that's where the confidence uh, and, and the ability along with the arsenal in your, in your uh, head, you got to have something in your back pocket to pull out. You got to have enough zingers. You got to have enough one liners. You got to have enough uh, content. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's how Rock learned how to, how to do it. That's an interesting point, and something I think about is like, do you have to be at a certain rung on the ladder to get away with that, or to push that boundary? Well, I, yeah, there there has to be timing. There has to be the right time. You have to have some equity in your account. You have yeah. to have people on your side. You do have to have people who who uh, have the confidence confidence in you to be even put you in that position in the first mm-hmm. place because if they put you with somebody that's going to go out there and try to get the better of you without you knowing it well then why would they put you with that guy anyway they should know enough to to have confidence in you that you can handle the position you're in so and and if you can't that's when you earn your stripes sometimes i mean uh, steve austin uh cut a promo one time where he kept saying, uh, if you haven't watched it, then, then it's, try to find this. Where, where the origin of what, where Austin was cutting a promo and he said, and I'll tell you another thing, when I get in the ring, what, what, Steve Stone Cold will be, and he'd do the what, what. The next, uh, that night, Vince said to someone, you know, that was a horrible promo, but it was shot live. Yeah. Steve was doing it live backstage. And, uh, Vince was pissed. He thought it sucked. He thought it was horrible. And he, and he told the producer, you need to save Steve from Steve sometime. The very next night, the people are chanting, what, what, what? Every time he said something in the ring, what? Okay, so so all of a sudden, Vince thought it was brilliant. Uh, but you have if you're going to take that chance, sometimes you got to take a chance. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Another kind of, Another real quick point jericho when he when he started could always cut promos but over the last my god maybe 10 years i don't know if it's been that long but everything pretty much he said has turned into a catchphrase or the people have caught on to it or you know you're on the list and oh the list and all of a sudden it comes a whole different deal le champion you know and uh a drink of the bubbly whatever he says so it, but it has to start somewhere. It didn't just all of a sudden out of thin air. How do you but think he ha- does that? What do you think? What do you think's the secret? Well, what's his his secret formula there? He's creative. It, yeah, he's creative. He pays attention to the world. He pays attention to current events. He pays attention to the mundane. He pays attention to anything he sees. He pays attention to the Dr. Pepper can. If he sees something and stares at it long enough, then let's see. I don't know, Dr. Pepper. Uh, 1885. What else? Who was the other doc? I don't know. 
He's yeah. creative enough. You, you can go for a walk with your dog and observe people, listen to conversations in the park, listen to, to docu uh, documentaries, movies, anything. You, you, you take things from life. You take things from observing. You just you look around and you go, huh, huh, what is that? It's, you it's know, interesting you say that because um, – so that when this podcast goes out, it's going to be a part of Inside the Ropes. Um, and that kind of revolves around interviews. And Inside the Ropes has done a lot of content. And uh, they've done live shows with Chris Jericho. And Kenny, who is the founder and owner of Inside the Ropes, he told me that Jericho was the one guy who's going, where are sales at today? What are the numbers today? What's yes. this looking like? What's that looking like? He says he's never seen... He's, this guy's worked with you know, Undertaker, Goldberg, Mick Foley, like, you know what, the Shawn Michaels, the who's who, and he says, Jericho stood out because he was like, where's the numbers at today? What do we need to do here? What's the, how's the campaign doing? I, I want to get this sold out by Thursday. And he just, yeah. he, he, he's on it. He's on it. Yeah. The, uh, yes. And, and that that's what it takes. It's a, it's a huge part of guys like Vince. He learned from Vince. And, and anybody who's been successful has learned from Vince, uh, who's worked for Vince has, lear has learned from him. And, and yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. Being mindful of your business, being mindful of what's next. Um, uh, what do I have to do to make it better? What do I have to do to make it different? And, uh, again, right, wrong, or indifferent, Jericho is never going to just stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. He's going to keep moving and keep doing things. And, and that's a huge part of his success, but, but it's a mindset. And I think it all starts with a mindset. Another thing I've noticed about Chris Jericho is he always, he's always working with whoever is the hot topic, if you know what I mean. And that's really, like, to me, that is very smart. Like, when Kenny Omega was at, like, you know, the kind of that point where people were calling him the best wrestler in the world, Jericho was like, right, that's who I'm working with. You know, and now when, like, yeah. Orange Cassidy kind of got so over with his, you know, like, the gimmick he was doing, Jericho was like, I'm going to work with him as well. It doesn't matter what size the person is. It doesn't matter if they're a character wrestler or a technical wrestler. Whatever it is, I think, to me, Jericho might be the most adaptable talent in wrestling I, I personally i think i've ever seen well i i had a discussion about chris over the weekend too and and you're exactly right he took a guy like orange cassidy who was doing his his kicks and things and all this stuff but but going back you know orange cassidy started out as a as a, as a small skinny guy in in Figured out he was going nowhere fast, and then all of a sudden he, he came up with Orange Cassidy. He came up with this stupid, dumbass gimmick. But that stupid, dumbass gimmick got him noticed, and it got him on a TV. It got him to where the owner of the company dressed as, as him like for Halloween. It got him noticed by Chris Jericho, who brought out a different side of this guy, showed a different persona, showed a different side of Orange Cassidy. So, yeah, I got to give it to you. I think Jericho is, is probably certainly one of the smartest, if not the smartest guy in the business. He, he still goes. He he knows what to do. He has the instinct. He has the confidence, and he has the courage to go ahead and step out front and say, "Hey, uh, I'll take a chance with it and um, uh, succeed or fail." But I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hand on succeed and let me have it. Let me see what I can do with this, and I'll show you what I can do with it. And he, and he doesn't just uh, push it to the side. He, he does put some effort into it and he does think about it. And that's, that's, uh, again, that's an element that a lot of people 
have either pushed away, forgotten about, or just don't have. I've read a lot of um, Jericho's books, and the thing I like about his books is he's very willing to be vulnerable and wrong uh, when he's wrong and right when he's right. So he'll go through his career and he'll be quite honest and blunt about this went well, this didn't go well. I've always wondered, though, with the things that were going well, like if you've had any chance to sort of interact with them or be around any locker rooms that he's been in at the same time, did he still have that unwavering confidence even when things weren't going well that they were going to change or what were your thoughts on that if you've had any knowledge or insight well i I worked with chris and lance when they first started in smoky mountain wrestling yeah and one of the famous matches uh uh that we had with them we just got done shooting a worth a month worth of promos and uh gonna gonna have a story being told uh, on on that night in knoxville Tennessee in the Coliseum, uh, we're, we're, we're going to bloody Jericho and, and he's going to fight for, you know, fight to come up and the referee's going to want to stop the match. And Chris is going to go, no, 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 let me go. And then, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the thrill seekers are going to go over. Well, Chris went out and wanted to practice, uh, the, the 450 splash or shooting star press. I'm sorry. And, he asked Jimmy, he said, hey, can I go out to the ring and practice the uh, uh, 420 or, or, or shooting what I just shooting star? I'm sorry, shooting star press. And Jimmy said, yeah, just don't get hurt. So he goes out and he, he <laughs> is practicing and all of a sudden uh, he lands wrong and breaks his arm. Ooh. Well, right, right before the main event of the big match that we just cut all these promos for leading up to the next month. And uh, the referee comes back and tells Jim, he says, hey, um, Jericho just broke his arm. He went to the hospital. And Jimmy starts laughing. He thinks he's ribbon. And then he looks at Mark's face and says, uh, what? And the referee told him again, you know, he broke his arm and he had to go to the hospital. Well, holy Christ. Uh, <laughs> he went to the hospital. They they. I, I think they put it in a cast, or maybe they didn't. Maybe they just wrapped it up. But they didn't want him to check out, and he said he, he would just come back tomorrow or the next year, whatever it was. But he came back and did the match and, and, and got the juice. If you ever get a chance to watch that match, yeah, it's uh, check it Thrill Seekers versus Heavenly Bodies in Knoxville. And the story is he's supposed to be covered in blood. Man, he overcompensates, and he is covered in blood. We're covered in blood. The referee's covered in blood. And – uh, he had to go back the next day. He got a pin put in his arm, I believe. But but it was it was that attitude. It was that um, perseverance. It was it was that knowing we had to have this match, knowing the story that was going to go on, knowing that that it would have <laughs> would have put a big. Uh, monkey wrench and throwing a big monkey wrench and everything and I, I, it was smoky mountain wrestling it wasn't wasn't madison square garden it was the knoxville civic auditorium but but the point is jericho had it from the beginning so did lance and uh he 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 knew that he wanted to innovate he knew that he wanted to always get better he was always looking for for something uh to 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 make him different, and and that's the kind of guy 
who, who's going to succeed because he never rested on what he did. You're only as good as your last match. And he never wanted to be just that good. He, he wanted to have something more uh, permanent and, and something else to seal his legacy. And I've always seen that in Chris, and it was even in WCW, he, he was a standout. When he went to Japan, Lionheart, he was a standout. And you have to have that. And, and without the passion and without the, the wanting and desire, um, it's not going to happen. There you go. Well, that's uh, to be honest, that's a perfect way to round off the podcast. Um, great to cover Jericho's legacy there. Again, if you have uh, been following along um, previous weeks, want to thank you very much for checking in. Uh, we're glad that we could uh, depart some of Dr. Tom's knowledge. Uh, we'll see you back here next week. And thank you very much for checking out Wrestling University with Dr. Tom. Tom, thank you very much once again. Thank you, Joe.